first. Here we go. The Ukraine is not a sovereign state. It does not have internationally recognized sovereign borders. It's still part of Russia, has been since the 10th century. We think we're a sovereign nation. We're not. The Ukrainians think they're a sovereign nation. They are not. The Ukraine has been the center of the globalists for decades and decades and decades. CIA, they've been working this in the Ukraine for 70 years, building up a resistance to everybody and everything, because they needed to bring the Soviet Union down, but they also want the resources that are in the Ukraine. That's what this is all about. sound is and uh pardon my internet this is a new place i'm living in so if it's crappy i'll have new internet tomorrow what's up guys yeah i can hear you can you hear me i can hear you yeah you sound great awesome All right, everybody. Matthew Paul Tucciaroni here with Juris Addiction, Reclaiming Your American Status. Um, that was a podcast that I did last night with Nick and Anil, and we talked about sovereignty and becoming a secured party creditor. And I'm doing a hopefully a three-part uh, series to that. First part was with Nick and Anil. Um, second part is going to be with this guy, Matt from Kansas. He was on the show and my last episode, um, he's going for the bonds in Wichita and Matt's been studying deeply into the secured party creditor stuff. So I'm going to do a part two with him and hopefully a part three with one of the people that actually help you do your paperwork to become a secured party creditor. So get all your understanding. I'm going to upload that podcast from Nick's Good Lion TV uh, sometime uh, today. So hopefully um, go ahead and you'll probably it'll probably be uploaded before this episode will be uploaded. So go back an episode and watch that one to start um, understanding. So you can start understanding the process of becoming a secured party creditor and why it's super important to rebuilding our Republic. Um, so today on the show, I have Trish. She's one of the team members for bonds for the win. Uh, you guys have heard her story before. Um, I brought her on the show today because we actually have a special guest um coming on to the show and you know what trish you know what i find so interesting is that you literally put out in the ethers and meditation the other night like wondering where 
where has this individual been? Where has he been? He's kind of fell, fell off the radar a little bit, but we kind of understand why he fell off the radar. Um, and he's now reemerging and he's got an awesome video platform called blast.video. Um, from my understanding, it's a, it's a, platform that aggregates all of the conservative videos from BitChute, Rumble, YouTube, etc. And he he's now found a way to put that under one place instead of going and searching for these videos. But he's going to explain in great detail today because he is coming onto the show. So we're super excited to have him. We're not sure where this is going to go because uh, <laughs> he's a very controversial people <laughs> in our sovereignty movement and our fight for freedom and our first amendment speech. So he's coming in in about five minutes. So let's go ahead and talk about this individual. So, all right, I'm going to go ahead and name drop. His name is Zach Voorhees. He is the Google whistleblower. Um, and he's got a new platform coming out and he's got a strategy to attack our censorship. That's happening across the, the the planet, not just in our country. Um, so Trish, Trish has a little bit more understanding of Zach Voorhees, the Google whistleblower. So Trish, let's talk about his background, what he's done. I believe he came out in 2019 with all of the information on the AI technology that Google is using. So Trish, uh, before we welcome Zach into the room, let's talk about exactly what Zach has done. So go for it, Trish. Sure. So um, Zach, uh, again, you said he kind of emerged in 2019. Um, and he, um, you know, first thing, he exposed the AI algorithms. Um, he came under quite a bit of scrutiny for it, uh, but he was very vocal talking about how these, these, these AI algorithms are purposely censoring information, um, you know, from Google. Um, and I'm so sorry, I got a call. Um, and you know, he, he holds a lot of information about why that's happening, what the plan is. So it's very exciting that he is reemerging. I do have some of my own questions I'd like to ask him as well as get his, uh, his video platform out there, because I believe it's, it's, it's imperative in this day and age to, um, you know, get the flow of information going the way it should. So I'm anxious to see what he's got to say, what's happened between, you know, the time that he's kind of been underground per se. Um, so yeah, exciting to, to see what he says today. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So am I, so am I, it's, it's insane how all of this is, is coming together. Um, <laughs> interesting, interesting for sure, guys. Um, also too, I want to give a quick update. Zach is in the waiting room, so I'm going to let him in soon. I just want to give a quick update on the movie that Nick and I are producing and, and Nick's, I believe, directing it. I'm one of the producers on the movie that we're going to be producing for the Sovereignty 
movement and this American state national push um, along with Anil. Anil is awesome. Like I said, you can go back an episode and watch that podcast that Nick did with me and Anil last night when we talked about the secured party creditors stuff. So we're super excited. The project's underway. Give us a couple weeks and we're going to be collaborating like crazy. So we're excited about this 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 uh this movie project that we're in and a lot of great people are involved i'm not going to name any names that are backing this uh movie right now because they are high profile um so we just kind of want to keep that under the radar for a little bit but we have amazing people that are backing this documentary which is freaking awesome so um all right we're gonna let zach in now here we go Drum roll. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Zach. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Oh, doing good. Doing good. We just, we've been on for about 10 minutes. We just wanted to do our intros and everything and get that out of the way so that when you came on, we can just hit the ground running with what you got. Um, Trish did explain exactly um, what you did in 2019. So if you want to give a backstory on that too. And then we can definitely lead into what your initiative is moving forward as of right now in the present moment. So Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, everybody welcome Zach Voorhees. He's uh, coming on today and he's got some great information. So Zach, go ahead and take it away. Hi there. So uh, you may know me as the Google whistleblower. Um, I released 950 pages detailing Google's uh, censorship regime. Um, to the American public uh, through Project Veritas and through the DOJ. Um, and um, for the last couple of years, I've been complaining about the censorship, but I decided that I was going to not just complain about it. I was actually going to do something about it and fix it for all of you, for America, and uh, maybe even the world, if we can get other people to internationalize this. And I'm really excited to announce the launch of the best place for news on the internet, 24-7, which is called blast.video. There's no .com in there. It's actually blast, B-L-A-S-T dot video. And Matthew, I've got a promo video that I would like to show your audience. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was hoping you would do that because you showed it to us yesterday. So let's go ahead. I gave you the option to screen share. So go for it. Awesome. All right. I'll just do that right now. So I've been making this video. It's been a pleasure. Actually, I've got two versions of the video. One video is the professional video. The other one's me having a little bit more fun. I got the fun one for you right now, and I guarantee it's going to be the best three minutes of your day. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Last up video uncancels America. Hi there. My name is Zach Voorhees. You may know me as the Google whistleblower. And I think it's safe to say I hate censorship more than anyone else that I know. And that's the reason why I created Blast.Video, a new type of social media system called an aggregator. And the way that it cracks through censorship is that it scans open video platforms like Rumble, like BitChute, like Brighteon, like GabTV, and looks for new content by the content creators that you love. It takes those new videos that it finds, it brings it under one single website called Blast.Video where it serves it to you. Content creators like Joe Rogan, Project Veritas, Alex Jones and Infowars, Bannon's War Room, Stu Peters, Next News Network, Rebel News, OAN, Newsmax, Epic Times. We feature independent creators like Awaken with JP, 
Dinesh D'Souza, Stephen Crowder, Bongino Report, Andy No, Chrissy Mayer, Judicial Watch, Lex Friedman, Jordan Peterson, Jordan Sather, Ann Vandersteel, Glenn Beck, Ruben Report, Gothics, Sarah Carter, Viva Free, Charlie Kirk, Mr. Reagan, Lionel Nation, RSBN, Black Pigeon Speak, Scott Adams, Lauren Southern, Lauren Chen, Ben Shapiro, Dell, Big Tree, Dix Hexenhammer, Gateway Pundit, Candace Owens, Quite Frankly, Freedom Tunes, We Are Changed, Jimmy Dore, Tim Poole, Anomaly, The Quartering, Black Conservative Patriot, Health Ranger Report, Matt Walsh, PragerU, Red Pill 78, Sarah Westall, SGT Reports. We scan a total of 250 content creators across platforms every single hour for fresh videos. It's like censorship never even happened to the conservative community. And I'm looking for your help to make Blast.Video the number one spot in America for conservative news. The reason is because I want to create a better future. 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 In the future, there is no censorship of humans thanks to Blast. Blast.video. And now I'm going to use this time machine to go back to the present. And it looks like Blast.video couldn't come soon enough. So you may be asking yourself, when does Blast.video launch? And I've got great news. If all goes well, Blast.video will launch in 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six. Censorship of humans. Yeah, there we go. That was great. <laughs> that was great, Zach. Thank you so much for, for everything that you're doing. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. all right. Well, let's talk about this platform. How is it going to help humanity? How is it going to help our censorship, etc.? Um, Trish, do you have a question for him specifically, or do you just want him to to roll with it? Just. Um, no, yeah, let him explain, you know, how this is going to help humanity. Um, I can save my questions for later. So just okay. have him roll with it for now. Yeah. All right, cool. Go for it, Zach. Yeah. So um, after Biden got installed uh, and after the YouTube purges of October 15th, 2020, um, I realized that we aren't going to get big tech to play nice. Um, they're going to be discriminatory. They're going to be exclusive. They're going to be draconian. They're going to be... Um, intolerant. And um, there's nothing we can do to get them to change that. We can't get them to see our way. We can't get them to say, oh, Mia Copa, we were all wrong. You know, whatever it is, the Hunter Biden laptop, they never apologize. They just keep on getting worse. And so the only way to route around this censorship problem is to build our alternative uh, technologies. Now, you know, Rumble, Pitch Shoots, they're all great, but the problem is that they are taking what I believe is the wrong approach to the entire ecosystem. They want to divide the ecosystem up into little fiefdoms, right? To in the same way that Netflix, Hulu, you know, Apple TV are trying to segment the market of entertainment, 
the big tech, well, actually the um, free speech platforms right now are kind of doing the same thing, right? Like people are getting almost exclusive contracts to go work at these, like for frankspeech.com, for example, um, or Rideon's now doing this. Uh, and it's the net, Netflixian transformation of the open free speech space. And the thing is, is that users don't want to go to four different platforms to be able to look and see what other content is available. And to do so, you have to play the social media shuffle. And you know what this is. You have your bookmark links and you go through and you're trying to find new intelligence drops from the content creators that you love to follow. And then when you get to the end of the list, after two hours of, of looking at everyone, uh, then you're like, well, wait, what happened since I started this, right? And then you start it all over again. And it's a pain in the rear and it doesn't have to be this way. And if you just use a computer to search all the platforms for content uh, as an aggregator, as I've done, then what it turns out is that you're not really trying to follow platforms. You're actually trying to follow people. And if you look at that, then the computer programs should be used as an intermediary between the content uh, consumer and the content creator and make that discovery process as frictionless as possible. So that's what blast.video is. It's essentially um, a way of facilitating you to find, it like removes all the friction from you and the content creator you want to be able to discover. Another thing that we need to do is be able to find trends, like what's actually trending in the United States. And to do that, what I've done is I've created a organic trending application um, and I've open sourced it. And it turns out that, you know, I, I thought, I just assumed that a trending algorithm would be complex, but it turns out that trending videos stick out like a sore thumb. And if you just apply elementary statistical analysis on someone's video history, all their viral videos, you, you pretty much just like trip over them. It's hard. You have to avoid them. And the idea that, you know, it's complex kind of means to me at this point that they're probably just holding their thumb on the scales. And so it's the rigging that's complex. And if it was just organic, it would be pretty much just a few pages of, of, of code. And so what I've done is I've taken those few pages of code that I use for my trending algorithm and I've released them open source. You can hit the tab, uh, the, the sidebar tab at the uh, upper right hand and you can go through at the bottom and you can see all my open source, uh, my open source algorithms, my open source data. Um, I released it all out there because this information wants to be free, Matt. And uh, we shouldn't tie it down like we own it because it doesn't belong to us. These social media stats are generated by the community. And uh, we need to be able to authentic, uh, you know, uh, be able to share this around um, in order to uh, discover what's trending around America. And that's what I've done. And the result of that is the best place for news on the internet 24 seven. And if you go to it, uh, I believe that you'll agree with that statement. And if it's not, I'm gonna work hard every single day to make sure that it is. I agree too awesome. with you, Zach. And, you know, uh, um, ironically, Matthew and I uh, did a podcast not too long ago. Um, we explained, you know, whoever controls the flow of information uh, controls your mind, essentially. And then, you know, whoever controls the flow of information controls reality. So we need to be able to choose that for ourselves. We don't need censorship hanging over us. Um, you know, the open source, I believe, is going to be key in that. So don't you agree, Matthew? 
Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. This is going to be definitely something um, to definitely get behind. And Zach, I believe we put you in contact with a lot of great people yesterday that are going to help mm-hmm. you further this message um, out there. And yeah, that's that's it. They're trying to control the narrative with their censorship. And essentially, we got to beat them at their own game. And we got to find a way to, like you said, aggregate every conservative platform out there and bring it into one area. Um, and two, didn't we... I think you said something yesterday, Zach, about the reason why Google's pulling what they're pulling in certain in certain tech companies is because even when we signed up for an email, we pretty much gave consent to them, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. to to do this. So we essentially gave them the consent. Well, kind of. And if we disagree with it, we have to sue them under California law because of the jurisdictional requirements for mm-hmm. um, you know, the terms of service of which we use the, the products. Okay. And so, um, and, and really this, this, this is a weak chain in the link. Uh, if someone in Florida or Texas wants to put an exemption, uh, that breaks that jurisdictional requirement within the state, then you're going to get a lot of people suing Google in Florida, which is where it needs to happen. Right. If, if they, if they block someone in, in Florida, then that, that should be the jurisdiction, which you sue, uh, the company. Um, and people need to do this. I really wish that they could do this, but right now, um, if you try to sue Google for violations of your rights, you're going to have to fly to California and then you're going to try it in a red court. Um, and, uh, it's a very painful experience. Um, it's a very expensive experience and very, and you're going to lose, uh, let's just be clear, which is the reason why, you know, I'm doing this is because there's no law that prevents them from doing this, or at least no stipulation that it can be enforced against them. Um, and all of your state protections uh, just don't even matter at this point. And so um, this is why we've got to build alternatives and let the let these big tech companies make themselves obsolete. And um, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, if I just build something better, I believe that people are going to come almost like a field of dreams sort of plot. But you know, that's what I believe is going to happen. I just believe if I had the best place for news, people are going to share it. People are going to want to go. People are going to come to it every single day. And then we're going to be able to um, defeat the empire of lies with the power of truth as it is uttered out of our mouths. Agreed. Um, and, and Zach, is this a place um, not only for like a, a combination of new sites uh, all in one place, but is this is there an option for creators to upload their own content to that platform as well? Uh, maybe one day we'll be able to have that, but right now I want to stick to sort of like the Drudge Report before video uh, model, and so we're we're a link aggregator. We're scanning other links. It makes the the back end of this a lot easier if we're not caching all the videos out. Um, and um, so if someone wants to add themselves to Blast.Video, um, they need to produce good content uh, with uh, unique thumbnails and non-recycled items in their title. Um, and if they do that, then they're eligible to be included on the feeds of Blast.Video. And if they want that, then the consideration should be given to our Reddit site. Um, go to Reddit slash r slash blast underscore video um, and make a comment. Hey, why doesn't X um, appear 
at blasttop video. And I will see it because I scan Reddit several times a day and I will see it and I'll pick that, that person. I will find their videos. If, unless you've given me an example of their best thing, then I'll use that to find their channel on the platform. I'll add it. And then they will appear within the hour on the next product push. Good. Thank you. Wow. Um, I, another question I had too, is you mentioned, you know, when this um, was debuted, it was almost immediately blacklisted. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. On Instagram and Facebook. And now I'm shadow banned on Twitter. Okay. Of course. Of course. Well, this is, this is great news, Zach, because as content creators like myself and Trish, it, it gets hard when you're jumbling between Rumble, BitChute, and YouTube, and you got to upload to multiple platforms and everything. It just seems like you're, you're creating that fix right now with your platform that you're about to well, you already debuted it, but, um, you know, only it just, it gets, like you said, the social media shuffle, it gets, it gets a little tiresome. So, mm -hmm. um, one of the things I actually want to do, I, I, I want to touch on that because you're yeah. uploading it to so many places. One of the tools I want to create for the content creator community is a multi uploader tool that uses something called a technology called um, Selenium WebDriver. And the way that Selenium WebDriver works is that um, they basically took a version of the Chrome browser and made it scriptable. So you can do things like uh, go to the button that's called login, click it, um, and then find the username field. And then it like enters in your stored username and password, logs you in, and then clicks all the buttons and then like enters in the video, enters in the title, and then does that for the 10 video sites that you want. And so you upload one video once to the site, and then it's going to automate the process on the back end to all your other social medias. Yeah, That's I see awesome. your face. I see your yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because once I get off of this episode, I'm going to have to upload YouTube and then upload the BitChute and Rumble which I guess BitChute or Rumble and YouTube, if you, uh, there's a syndication process now. So if you upload the YouTube, it's going to go onto my Rumble right away. But you're saying that this, this program would just, uh, would just upload to all the platforms that I'm registered on. Yes. I love it. I love, love that. It. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and the reason why I want to do that is because I want to like be in there. It's easier to like convince people to do something if they've already got a process in its place. And I figured that if I uh, eat your complexity, then the content creators will want to use the tool. And then that makes it easier to upload to blast.video because instead of uh, just uploading yet to another platform, uh, you'll just uh, do it automatically through the tool. So that's kind of like my little secret. I'm giving this all away because I don't really want to have a for-profit corporation. What I want is more of a charity structure that sets the example, like this is what an open trending algorithm looks like. This is what an open data feed looks like. And then users can compare that with the other video platforms and say, well, wait a minute, why doesn't so-and-so do that? And you know what? Uh, maybe BitChute because BitChute is done by a pretty cool guy. I think that's... Um, he might look at this trending algorithm and adopt it. And that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to spread this information that um, a really great, you know, site like blast.video is, is put upon the foundation of a good trending algorithm and a good curated list of the top content producers in the United States 
uh, in which the entrance to be able to get into that list isn't that high, right? Like I'm not doing an ideological filter. If someone wants to get on there, like I'll let them on as long as they've got a minimum level of quality that they achieve on their channel. Awesome. What would that minimum quality be for you in your eyes? You uh, unique thumbnails um, and unique titles without the use of repeated words. You know, like some people are like, you know, dark heart, dark horse podcast 299. Nah, it's not good enough, right? Because there's nothing unique about it. It needs to let the readers or the watchers know what is going to be in the video um, when they look at the title. Right. If I have to listen to a three hour podcast to figure out what's in it, then um, that's not that's not above the line. That's below the line that I would be able to, to, to get them. And I think that people appreciate that because really, ultimately, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create the best experience for the audience and right. then the best experience for the content creator and then um, a, a, a good experience for the ad person. The ad person is going to actually they'll, they'll go through, they'll walk through broken glass as long as they can get access to the customers and the customers will, um, will go to whatever is easiest. And the content creators will pretty much do a mix of the two. Like what's the easiest and where are the customers? So it's really about optimizing that trifecta of customer experience, content creator experience, and then advertiser. And if I think that if I nail that, that, that three, that we'll be able to, um, grow this to be, uh, the best place of news and one of the highest traffic sites on the internet. And, um, and that's something that will be really good for, you know, the ability to have a public square for free discourse, because we need that more now than ever um, in this cre- Cause it's crazy out there. Like the times that we're living through right now are absolutely nuts. And yes. people need to know true information and get access to it in order to make the best decisions for themselves and families, like all the conservatives right now, we're all going, Oh my God, there's a food shortage coming. And we're all like getting prepared. And the lefties have like no idea that this is coming. Right. And they're, they're, they're going to get, uh, they, they might get wiped out by a coming food crisis. We don't know how bad it's going to be yet. We just know that, you know, potash and nitrogen fertilizers are just shooting through the roof. And, you know, um, there's warnings that there's going to be a food shortage and crisis coming in quarter three of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coincidentally when the midterm elections kick in. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we need truthful information in order to take care of ourselves and provide for our families. Because look, if this, if there's a depopulation plan, I am determined to be one of the survivors and I want you all to be survivors of it too. Uh, because there is a plan to reduce the population down to 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. They chiseled it into stone at the Georgia Guidestones. And you know what? I come from a long lineage of champions, and I am determined to be uh, one of them that continues on with that unbroken chain to the next generation. And, um, and so that's the motivation that gives me the impetus to you know, create last top video and be the best source of news so that you can figure out how to help yourselves and your families. Absolutely. I agree. And some of us have been screaming for a few years now that they were going to try this, this food shortage narrative. So we'll see where that goes, but 
Um, if and when it does happen, I agree. I, I feel like there needs to be a collective place of information that people can prepare. You know, individuals like us can help other people prepare and, and be survivors of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, that explaining your drive behind it. And it's it's all part of this whole entire conservative patriot movement everybody is that we're all we all have pieces of the puzzle like zach and you guys know that what i do with american state national and the law and the legal system and things like that taking the matrix down that way everyone is playing their part right now and taking down this god this god awful matrix that they've had us enslaved in for so long so many lies out there and yeah and to be honest like yeah, the lefties, I mean, I care about them too, even though I don't believe their ideologies and I can't stand their their stupid critical race theory crap that they're pushing and everything. But people need to be warned too. I mean, this is a fight against humanity and even the lefties don't even know that they've been targeted throughout this whole entire process, uh, throughout the, the whole entire, what, two years that we've been dealing with this crap, if not even more. I mean, just think we've been dealing with this for a very long time, actually, but it's just now coming to the surface since 2020. Yeah. So I appreciate everything that you're doing, Zach. Like this is, this is amazing. This is good for content creators too. I'm glad we're getting this message out there right now and just happy to help you out in any way. My network's extensive. I, you know, I put you in contact with Adriana yesterday and mm-hmm. hopefully we can get you on Infowars and all sorts of other stuff to get to get this content pushed out there so that people can start really looking in the blast up video and you know you've you've I mean obviously what you've been through you you had to kind of Trish and I were talking about this she was actually wondering about you like a, a week ago and you're like where has he where has he been you know like he was he was the Google whistleblower and now you're re-emerging again do you want to talk about like, you know, kind of like what you've had to go through yeah. being a whistleblower and like why you kind of had to take a step back and then now you're reemerging. So that's awesome. It's it for me personally, it's been a destruction and rebuilding, right? Like I was uh, a libtard through most of my life. Um, and then um, I became an entrepreneur where I was building a product in China and I tried to build the product in the United States, but I realized that the United States had been completely gutted and that I had no choice. I either go out of business or I move the manufacturing to China. So I moved the manufacturing to China and I realized through hitting pretty much every tax trap that was laid out that uh, the entire thing was highly rigged and that some sort of force had planned the destruction of the United States through the outsourcing and deindustrialization deindustrialization of its entire manufacturing economy to China. I was like, how did they get all this established? How do we just allow that? And I started to come to the realization that things weren't right, um, that we were being lied to. I could just see it. And that we were on a path of mathematical overthrow. Like it was just going to happen. Like if China manufactures everything, then they're just going to use that. I mean, they can, they can bug our computers. They can, they can give crap that breaks down. And that if we ever go to war with them, they're going to be like, okay, we're just going to stop exports. And now all of a sudden we can't like, we can't buy anything. We can't buy vacuum cleaners, right? Because they're our single source supplier. It's, it's, it's insane. And by the time that Donald Trump was a candidate, I was like, yeah, we, we need something like this because if we don't, the United States is going to fall due to the globalists, like rigging the whole entire system. 
And um, then after Trump won, Google lost its mind. They started the whole censorship thing, was, which was completely antithetical to every single thing that they had stood for. Like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when Google went IPO, they promised in a set of constitutional points, they laid out what they were going to do. And number one was, um, don't be evil. And number two was to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible. Well, how can you make it universally accessible and useful if you're censoring it, right? So everything that Google did was not part of what it meant to be the company. It was a direct contradiction to a promise that they had made to the world and their stockholders when they went IPO. And so, um, you know, for me, I started to question other things because uh, I saw how fake the news was with this Russian collusion hoax against Trump. And I started to realize that, oh my gosh, the news was just a collection of different propaganda that even though the, the conspiracy community was being, you know, essentially poisoned with bad information, uh, the reason why they were doing that was because uh, they were trying to cover up the truth that was in the truth system, right? So it's like, oh, well, there's 9-11. And then they try to inject something like, um, like, a, like, like a, false, a false thing. Trish, I'm sorry, you like Flat Earth. I, I think Flat Earth is a total psyop. Um, I think I it's not. there. What? Actually, I want to clarify that I am not a flat earther. Okay, great. Um, but for example, I have I think no problem with people that do, but I do not. Okay. I thought you suggested that you were or something, but um, that's but me. Think, oh, you're a flat earther. Okay. I'm um, down to talk about it though, Zach. Like seriously, it, I'm not, I won't be offended. I, I won't. All right. Like, well, yeah. all right. I, I, I want to bring offended. out a point. The whole, the, one of the foundational things is that the curvature is impossible. And they always use this like quadratic formula, something squared. And it's really weird because the curvature of the earth isn't measured as a parabolic. It's actually modeled by a trigonomic question, uh, function. So you're going to want to see sine and cosine in there when you're talking about the curvature of the earth, not like some squared parabolic function, because that only, that only approximates out to a few miles. And then it quickly starts getting more and more errors that and the error rate grows exponentially to the actual curved surface of the earth. So they, they use that. That's the fundamental thing. Um, and, um, and the, and my belief, the reason why it's so strong is because they're, they're trying to poison the well so that the normies like myself, when I was a libtard, it's like, Oh, it's all crazy. It's just a bunch of people in a consensual delusion. But what's really happening is that there is uh, truth in that pool and you kind of have to put on um, your waders and go out there and sift through what's not real with what is. And um, that's essentially what I'm trying to do here with Blastop Video is I'm trying to pick up the signals and try to, you know, push information that deserves to be shared that is rooted in objective reality and that we can use it to make our decisions. And I think that if we can do that, we can move forward. Um, one of the interesting things, I've got a window over here about how um, General Flynn uh, says, this was just on the Jeff Dornick show and General Flynn calls Q a psychological operation that's nothing more than fairy tales. Like, um, and I'm not gonna make any qualifiers about that, that thing other than we should draw a lesson from this that there could be an artificial intelligence that goes online and um, pushes um, a false intelligence operation that Pied Pipers the, uh, the Patriots into a dead end and kettles us and sets a trap for us. 
And that's the reason why it's so important to not let um, mystery shadow organizations control the levers of amplification of voices. It needs to be organic. It needs to, we need to allow people to trend organically. And if we can do that, then we can stay in this world of, um, of open discourse, right? We can, I feel that the mind collective, this, this sort of higher order consciousness of people coming together on social media can kind of figure it out. Um, what we need is we need more, more speech, um, and maximize that to the fullest extent possible. And that's what I'm trying to achieve with this, um, with Blast.video. That's great. That's great. And you mentioned, um, you know, the, the AI algorithm. So I wanted to ask um, a question on that. So, you know, we, we are so focused or they have got us so focused on right versus left. Um, and it, from my understanding, AI is actually the real enemy yes. because of the censorship, you know, because of so many other things. So, um, and, you know, who, is there somebody programming these uh, algorithms or, you know, has the AI taken that job over itself? I mean, how is that working now? Okay. So the question is who programs these AIs? And the thing is, is that these programs aren't grown. They're, they're I'm sorry, they're not programmed, they're grown. Okay. Um, and basically what, um, Google and all these big AI companies have done is that they've created the scaffolding necessary for this artificial intelligence to grow in a very contained and constrained environment. And, um, and the way that it works is um, you've got, so in Google, it's called machine learning fairness, and it's the generation of classifiers that achieve, uh, you know, basically social justice warrior CRT goals. So you can grow a classifier that is able to identify hate speech, um, or you can grow a classifier that is able to identify, you know, cat faces in a video. And, right. um, and so the reason why that they're growing these AIs, these classifiers and classifiers usually are only, you get a classifier that identifies like one thing, like you don't get a classifier that tells you like all these different parameters. Usually that's a cluster of different classifiers that all run. And the reason why Google and all the rest want to do this is because, uh, well, I saw this slide. This is an actual slide from uh, the company. And that is that um, uh, they want to program us. And they yeah. actually literally state this as the final step that people like us are programmed. And the way that the programming works, it's a five-step process. Step one is training data are collected and classified. Step two, algorithms are programmed. Step three, Media are filtered, ranked, aggregated, or generated. And then step four, people like us are programmed. Those are the exact words. And just in case you thought that this was some sort of low-level programmer that put this in errantly, no. This was put in by um, Michelle Mitchell. She was the AI ethicist of the company. The AI ethicists are the ones that are planning the most unethical technological technocracy coup on humanity. And I didn't just find it in one slide. I found this in three different places within the company. Okay. And there's slide decks. And so the, the, like this should be, this is like Nuremberg trial stuff. Like they're literally trying to do an information coup on the mm -hmm. United States. And, um, and this is the reason why they want to censor so bad. And this is the reason why the intelligence apparatuses are going to absolute war against the American people because they see these cybernetic collectives forming like Facebook and MySpace and Twitter. And these things are actually able to 
um, you know, combat the misinformation, the empire of lies. And so you have to understand is that we are at total information war with a group of people that refuses to identify themselves. And we have to realize that we have to be smart and we have to fight them. And this is how, you know, essentially that I'm fighting back on behalf of all of you is I'm giving you a safe space for you to be able to enjoy your content because we need to continue the digital renaissance that is happening right now, because with this, we have a new age of abundance that's coming. We've got uh, the fourth industrial revolution. We've got unlimited robotic labor. We've got unlimited artificial intelligence that's going to uh, contribute to the furthering of humanity. And with that, we're going to have a new age where there's no necessary work. We don't have to do a nine to five job, you know? And the funny thing is that people make fun of like uh, our anti-work on Reddit. Dude, that's going to go mainstream in the next decade. You don't even know, right? Like th this whole adage that you can like work hard and make it in life, that's gone, okay? Computers never sleep. They never get tired and they work faster than you could ever possible work. Like the whole thing where you get just got to work hard, that's out the window, okay? In fact, it's already out the window. We just don't know it yet because they're they're, they're keeping the, the, the facade of a human-centered economy um, you know, on life support so that the normies don't realize that everything's fundamentally already changed, but now you're starting to see it. And so now what we have to do is we have to say, okay, well, the whole system's going to come down. There is going to be a great reset in some form or, or the other. What we have to do is we have to preserve what it means to be human. And that is human sovereignty. What does human sovereignty look like in the new technological age? And Matthew this is my answer. Question. Yep. What's that? That's what Matthew can also answer that question, but go ahead. Yes. What do you think, Matthew? I think it's great. I'm just trying to process everything that you're you're saying because this ties into this is about humanity. This is about saving our sovereignty for our human genome, especially. And this is about this is a this is like the Terminator. We're going against the machines right now. Yes. Yes. So it's so important the way you're hitting this this matrix through this AI technology that they have us all programmed under right now. Currently, this is this is part of this is part of breaking through the veil that needs to be broken through. Um, this matrix lies very deep, and myself, I'm not a tech person, so I I couldn't do this work. But there, there, there needs to be somebody who can, and it seems like Zach, you, you, pretty much answered a lot of questions on on what this war does look like. It's it's really about human sovereignty, and um, human sovereignty. And there's another thing I was going to say. My gosh, my brain's just been on go, go, go. But yeah, that's 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 what I have. I mean, Trish, do you have anything? <laughs> This is, this All is right. incredible. I, think, yeah. I mean, thank you yeah. so much. Like this Absolutely. is, I can't wait to go back and watch this because I'm going to have to, to pick up on things that I didn't pick up during the interview. Usually when I interview people, I'm just kind of, I don't hear what they say and I understand what they say once I watch the playback. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. 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 No, sorry to interrupt there. You know, what Matthew is working on right now is the sovereignty movement. I'm not necessarily technologically, but um, Zach, it sounds like that's, you know, uh, the, the edge that you're going to bring. Matthew's working on it more from a, um, 
getting out of the old system uh, with paperwork and uh, claiming your sovereignty through the new system, uh, becoming nationalist, uh, you know, it's things like that. So this is kind of like two sides of the same coin. That's why I smiled real big when you said that. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Zach, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to hear what you have more to say about the, uh, uh, from the technological point of view of sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah seriously. Yeah. Go into that. Cause that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, so, you know, like the, the, the context of, um, like when similar to what happened with Israel and Jesus, when Jesus roamed the, the deserts and, uh, what was happening was Rome wanted the land strip of Israel and Egypt under their control because it forms a choke point between the West and the East. Okay. Like if you want to have the shortest cargo trip from India to Europe, you're going to need to go through the Suez Canal. Well, today it's the Suez Canal. Back then you had to do a freight forwarder over land. Uh, It's about, I don't know, 70 to 150 miles between the sea and the Mediterranean. Um, And so what happened is that Rome decided that they were going to take over uh, Egypt and Israel and they'd taken over it. But then um, the people there were like, we're going to do a rebellion. Um, and that ultimately ended in the destruction of the second temple and the scattering of the Israelites throughout the world. But up to that point, um, there was this, there was this belief that they were going to be able to take it back. And Jesus was telling them that they're too corrupt and that they're going to fall. And he predicted their fall, which is the reason why there's a lot of consternation about Jesus in today's, you know, circles, uh, is because he predicted that. But in a way, what Jesus was giving was a salvation. He's like, look, even if the Romans destroy us, we can still preserve what it means to be us, like our culture, our values, which is something that the Romans allowed people to do, you know, is you get to preserve your culture. Um, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to hold the light on that sovereignty and that culture, because look, there's going to be a lot of disruption. The whole concept of money is going to be undermined and invalidated um, with the new system. And the question is, is can we hold on to what it means to be human? Do we have to hold on to the material world? Because that material world is going to go away in fire, whether it's World War III, whether it's another you know set of pandemics. They want to take the old system. They want to replace it. They can't replace it because we're attached to the material world. So they're going to destroy it, thus destroying our connection with it. And then they're going to rebuild it uh, back up. And so the question is, do we lose our humanity with the material world when it goes away? And my solution is no, we don't. And the way that we do that is that we've got to build a better system um, with that destruction of the old way of things. So look, the YouTube open platform for your videos, that's gone. It's never coming back. But We don't have to have that be the end all. We can build new things that are better and then ignore it and preserve that sovereignty in the light of fire of free speech going forward. Awesome. Do you think platforms like YouTube and Google and and all that, do you think they're going to become obsolete very soon in the near future? Or Um, how do you think, are we going to merge? We're going to merge. Eh, well, it's, it's like this, um, YouTube will always be the best place for cat videos and cooking videos. Um, it's going to be the best place for controlled, uh, controlled opposition. Uh, but it's not going to be the best place for news. It can't be, they'd have to give up their censorship and they don't want that to happen. So 
you know, um, for the niche of conservative news, it's never going to be the best. It's going to be probably the worst. And, um, and I'm, I am going to be the best, uh, because I'm not going to censor. I'm going to be organic. And if YouTube decided that they were going to be organic, then they would be the best. And it's really that simple. I'm competing them because I refuse to be evil, not because I'm technically smarter than, you know, the company as a collective. I love it. We got big smiles here. <laughs> this is great. This is so awesome. Trish, do you have anything else for Zach or Zach? Do you want to touch on anything? I think we're approaching an hour almost, but yeah, um, almost. do you want to, do you want, do you, it's yeah. all, it's all up to you. Do you guys have like questions that have been burning your, a hole in your head and you're like, Hey, one day I'll ask a Google engineer, like what's going on and <laughs> like about the censorship or anything else. Like I've got all these answers that are in my head right. that you may find useful. You know, I do have one question. Um, you know, when Dr. Malone uh, came out on Joe Rogan not too long ago, and he was talking about the, uh, what was that term that he used? Mass formation, Mass formation psychosis. Yeah. Right. It was immediately scrubbed from Google search engine. You know, is that them resetting the algorithms when things go viral like that? Yeah. They're getting like some sort of top directive, probably from Vanguard or BlackRock which, and they've got handlers within the Rothschild cartel. Um, and so what's happening is that there's an edict being handed down and they're like, look, you need to do something about this. And then they're like, okay. And then they, they implement it. And so that's what you see. You also saw the same thing happening with Alex Jones. Like when Alex yeah. Jones got purged off of the platforms in 2018, was it? Uh, maybe it was 17. No, I think it was 17. So in 2017, Alex Jones got, got purged. And um, he got purged off of all the, like all the major platforms, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook within like two minutes of each other. So obviously they're, they're colluding, um, you know, to do this. Um, and I think that it's because of the stakeholder status, you know, the stocks. So who owns the stocks and who owns the stocks are, it's the same in every single company. Um, it's the majority BlackRock and Vanguard. And what's interesting is that most of BlackRock's owned by Vanguard. So it's actually all Vanguard. And who owns Vanguard? Well, that's secret. The majority yep, yep. holders of Vanguard are secret. So we can only guess at the oligarch families that are actually secretly controlling this and using this as the Trojan horse to control the community policies of all these different corporations that exist in America. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but you know, you would, you would think that they would understand that that gives them a way that they're violating our first amendment rights. Do they just not care? Um, they don't. Yeah. They like they're true believers, right? That's the reason why they've been placed in those positions of power. So if they showed rebellion towards that and free thought, they would have been replaced by someone who goes along with the agenda. So, you know, that's that's essentially what's going on with that. You know, what's the instance of each individual, you know, true believers, mental processes? It's very it's very varied. Right. And yep. they'll have their own little, you know, um, sort of self you know, religion that they've formed that explains it all away. And it can be highly complex, but um, at the end, they don't really believe in the free speech. And they believe that there is a fascist collection of Nazis that are uh, on the verge of taking over the United States, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Like 
think if I went to um, you know, Russia and uh, went on the media and warned everyone that a group of neo-Confederates um, you know, was about to take over Russia, you would just laugh. But that's essentially what we've got here is that they're claiming that a bunch of neo-Nazis uh, exist in every major city. And it's just like, it's, it's really amount, it, it's really unbelievable the amount that they're able to get away with, with a large section of the population. I mean, for me, it's just ridiculous when you think through it at all, but apparently to a lot of others, they just don't have the same critical processes that they want to apply. Okay. Very great answer. Thank you for that clarification. So Zach, I got a question. Why do you think, um, the thing is, is like corporations are, they're, they're corporate entities or they're, they're fictitious entities, to be honest, if you want to dig deep into the sovereign thing, sovereign thing, but this goes back to a lack of people having the knowledge of our fundamental God-given unalienable rights. I believe with the constitution that why, how did this it just like it, it just baffles me that none of us, none of the people were watching these tech companies. Why it, how do you think they got away with with implementing all this stuff right under our noses without anyone questioning before it got this bad? Well, they they Trojan horsed it, right? They were doing it internally, and then um, people weren't you know informed what was really going on. And then they they just sort of you know introduced it slowly into the company and uh, and the thing is, is that people were okay because they were being screwed with, with their minds. Um, they were being traumatized. They were told that their election got hacked. And so they basically, people have been, the leftists have been through a process of radicalization. And, um, and as a result, uh, they didn't see what was going on. In fact, they welcomed it. Um, and, you know, this... This this goes to people that I used to really respect. Um, I used to respect Noam Chomsky. I just realized that he's just a tool, right? And right. it's it's like, how long has it always been like this? Um, and that's where we find ourselves today, right? Like uh, it happened. The reason why it happened undetected was because everyone was being mind screwed by this cartel. And as a result, they allowed this fascist takeover to uh, occur and cheer it on. And how exactly does this whole censorship thing work on their end? Like, is it have to do with a combination of algorithms, AI, and somebody sitting in Google's headquarters watching your channel and going and sifting through that? How does this, pl- how, how does it work? To be so, honest, I want to understand their whole how it works. Yeah. So with artificial intelligence, like I said earlier, is that it's kind of grown mm-hmm. in a container and that container is going to be test data. So what you have is you've got an army of um, employees that go through and they manually annotate um, data with um, results. So for example, they go through and they look at articles and they say, this is hate speech right? Like five bars or four bars of hate speech, right? Like they'll have like a star system that they use in order to rank certain things on a wide range of different attributes. And then, you know, let's say you get a pile of 10,000 properly annotated news articles that's categorize them on a matrix of different uh, attributes, hate speech, 
right-wing politics, left-wing politics, you know, you can have a number of different attributes that you attach to this. And uh, you basically have an army of humans that are filling this out. So now that you've got this pile of training data, you're going to use that with this um, neural net that learns what the patterns are in data. That's all artificial intelligence is. It's basically artificial, artificial intelligence, by the way, wouldn't it be possible without big data? That's the reason why everybody was obsessed with big data two decades ago is because they were building the foundations for big AI. And so with this data that sets that they create, then what happens is that the AI like has, it's almost like evolution. Like I said, it's, it's a form of growth that they did in a container. And so this AI grows and it says, oh, okay, well, if I see these certain trigger words and blah, 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 and this combination, then I'm going to make a really accurate prediction on the percentage that this article contains hate speech. And if it goes beyond a certain threshold, then, you know, um, they'll, they'll say, okay, this needs to be banned or this needs to be suppressed. Right. And so that's how the classifiers work. Like it's literally training data produces class, uh, a properly annotated training data gets run through an artificial intelligence generator. And if you want to know what that looks like, look up Google TensorFlow. Um, and it's TensorFlow because it involves uh, uh, a large space, a, 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 an energy space uh, field. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to find, um, it's almost like if you were to plot it, this density field, you'd get like a height map. And so this height map forms these valleys. And so this TensorFlow Google program that they use, it literally tries to find the valleys and does what's called gradient descent. And so like when you're, when it's doing like image analysis, trying to do these cat videos, you know, trying to find cat faces, what it's trying to do is it's literally trying to find these valleys and figure out how it can make these assumptions to go down to this valley. So it's like, if I say, word, how close is it to the word the? And if it is really close, then it will, tra it will translate it into the. And that's literally all intelligence is and artificial intelligence uh, with these neural nets is it's gradient descent into the, the, the closest approximating value that, um, that it can find from um, it's training data. And so uh, that's, that's what the censorship is. They build these classifiers and then those classifiers can be run on new input. And based upon the training data that's been exposed to, it's going to make the judgment call on what is hate speech and what is not. And if that training data is being controlled by something like the um, SLPC or the ADL, what you're going to get is you're going to get a tyrannical artificial intelligence that is beyond our comprehension which is what is happening right now. And in a way, um, you can't even get discovery on how these artificial entities work. Because let's say you go to court and you're like, hey, Google, you really need to like give up this trending algorithm that you have or this artificial intelligence. It's just like, okay. And they just give you like a printout of all of the weights behind these artificial neural nets. No one knows how to interpret a soup of neural nets and their bias data. It's like, it's, it's whatever was grown to solve the problem space. It doesn't make any sense. Like if I write code, all right, it's, it's, it's going to be like this English looking thing. Like, look, like I'll just give you an example. Like this is my, you know, this system code right here. And, you know, it says gen inclusion list. Like you're like, oh, well maybe that's generating an inclusion list, right? Like it, it makes sense. It's English like. Like these neural nets, this artificial intelligence, even if you're able to inspect it, not even a programmer that works in artificial intelligence would be able to tell you what the heck it does at all. 
in fact, these artificial people, these people that generate these artificial networks, it's like, yeah, we have no idea how this thing's actually working. We just know that it's been evolutionarily evolved to exploit the, the game state that we presented it. And that's it. So the thing is, is that what Google is essentially doing is that they're hiding their blacklist in this undecipherable mess of neural networks. And the neural network is able to do its job, but no one's able to tell what's going on. And when they ask why, the answer in the future is going to be because the computer said no. And that's it. And if that's the future that we want, then continue on the path that we're going. But let me tell you, that is an absolute nightmare. They're literally creating like an AI Lucifer that's going to torment us with its tyranny. Yep, yep. agreed. You know, I mean, I don't know who who thinks that sounds like a good idea, but I've seen the movie Terminator, you know, and that's not the reality that I want to live in. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we don't need AI uh, overriding human emotions and human choices and human judgment at this point in time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is this is like the Terminator. It's just it's really it's it's insane once you really dive deep into all of this. It's exactly well, they we all know about predictive programming. They they these movies were set out to to program us from the get-go, anyways, to to accept the idea that this could happen. And everyone put that out into the collective consciousness, and here we are. Yeah, but you know what? There are some good things like AI isn't all bad, like unlocking some really cool stuff. Let me show you something, right? I'm going right. to see if I can get this to work. So I just merged... It's just in the hands of the wrong people. <laughs> right. Sure. sure. This, is, this is a product of Elon Musk's uh, thing called OpenAI. It's, it's, it's called Microsoft Copilot. Microsoft got an exclusion with uh, exclusive agreement with them for, uh, for, pro- for creating an AI that knows how to program. So if I make something that says uh, convert um time to two decimal places right watch this see if it can autocomplete just wrote the code and that will probably work and um like it it basically created that function right now from scanning millions of lines of code and that's, that has um, honestly, that has honestly quadrupled my productivity. And I just discovered it two months ago and I'm really excited. Like it's actually part of the reason why I want to take it open source is because if I have something proprietary, then they're going to be like, oh, we don't want to use an artificial intelligence because they're going to look at our code. And if I have everything open by default, then I don't really care about that. Um, and I'm going to be able to, like, I'm now like five programmers. It's amazing. I have you know, with my keyboard, each, each type that I do is like a paintbrush with an infinite possible number of paintings that it can draw. And that's with each keystroke. And if I don't like the answer that um, the AI is presenting, then I can define what I want more with comments and describe what it is that I'm about to compute. And then it's going to use that to pattern match between a 4 billion parameter database and come up with a suggested a conclusion and um, like 50% of the time, it's really, it's, it's dead accurate for simple stuff. And what's really great is because I'm going, it's, it's traversing through all these expert opinions. It's literally giving me new code that I've never seen before using best practices. And this sort of thing is like amazing. And this is like the good side of AI. And we need to have this because it amplifies human expressiveness. And that's the kind of AI that we need. 
Um, and we want to, and I want to bring that to as many people as we can. And I want to stress that that's the awesome part of it. That, that kind of thing is what's going to unlock the abundance society that we want to have that will bring us to the type one, you know, civilization um, where we can have limitless everything. Like this whole idea that there's a scarcity and we got to pay for like energy is such a ridiculous uh, concept. It only comes from the fact that we're using a two century old energy technology to power our economy, right? Like think about that. Like, do we still use a steam engine to like power a car? No. Why? Because that's old tech. Yet we're still using gasoline that we pull from the ground in order to power our societies, right? Like if you go to the energy in a gram of uranium, it's going to be, you know, more than the equivalent carbon by, you know, an order of like a billion. It's just an incredible amount of energy that we have. And, you know, the reason that we don't have this abundant society now is because um, the oligarchs control the system. The artificial scarcity is where they draw their power. And before they get us onto the next system, they got to do a formal takeover so that they can bring us into this next system um, of free energy. Because the thing is, is that, look, if they lose the energy scarcity, then people are going to be able to say, well, why do we need a global financial system? We can have our own energy and we can grow our own food and we can make our own technology. Like we don't need globalism. And, oh, you want to sanction us? Well, screw you. We're completely self-sufficient. It's like, it's so funny. Like, you know, the cabal MSM outlets are like, oh, well, Russia's economy is, is crashing. I'm like, no, it's not. They're self-sufficient. They grow their own food. They've got plenty of resources. They're going to be just fine. The whole like, oh, it's 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 worthless now. It's just you know, a result of a you know spreadsheet that they're setting one of the numbers to zero. So it's all theoretical, anyways. But the the real value, which is in gold, land, um, and uh, precious you know, metals, the, you know, other precious metals. Yeah, exactly. Like real value, like you know, they they got it, and. Um, and we're not going to let them, you know, try to fool us anymore into thinking that they don't. So exactly. Anyways, um, I got to go. Um, yeah, they got to. It's running up at the top of the hour. But uh, Matthew, thank you so much for having me on. Trish, it's been great to talk to you again. Um, yes. Sir. And I hope that all of you that are watching at home will come to Blast Video. Please bookmark it, and if you like what I do, please support me at GiveSendGo.com/slash last video last video i'll put that in the description box below as well and this will be uploaded to BitChute, rumble and youtube as well and i'll come up with a catchy name all right <laughs> if you have an idea just text me zach of what you want to call this episode i'd be happy just to, to do that so trish and i will be on it too so all right Great. awesome yeah. cool all right. well thanks so much everybody for tuning in this has been jurisdiction with trish Violet and Zach Voorhees, the Google whistleblower. Uh, subscribe, like, share, and hit those notification bells. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Matt. Yep. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Thank you, Zach.